Deliverance of God and the Nutrition of Memory, a reading from the book of Deuteronomy. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with flowing streams, with springs and underground waters, welling up in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land where you may eat bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and from whose hills you may mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land that God has given you. Take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep God's commandments, ordinances, statutes, which I am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, and then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, an arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. He made water flow for you from flint rock, and fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors did not know to humble you and to test you, and in the end to do you good. Do not say to yourself, My power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is God who gives you power to get wealth, so that God may confirm God's covenant that he swore to your ancestors, as God is doing today. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us go to, go, go to the Lord in prayer. Creator God, you call us to love and serve you with body, mind, and spirit through loving your creation and our sisters and brothers. Open our hearts in compassion and receive our blessings and sorrows on behalf of the church and of the world. God of power and justice, like Jeremiah, you weep over those who wander from you, turn aside, and enter into hatred. By your tears and through your mercy, Teach us your ways and write them on our hearts so that we may faithfully love each other as you love us. Hear our prayers that we may love with our whole being and willingly share the concerns of our neighbors, even the ones that don't look like us or think like us. Visit your people and pour out your strength and courage upon us that we may hurry to make you welcome, not only in our concern for others, but by serving them generously and faithfully. May we remember your call upon us to serve you by saying the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Giving generously and joyfully is a blessing to the giver and the recipients. A reading from the second letter of Paul 
to the Corinthians. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you've made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that God has given you. Thanks be to God for God's indescribable gift. Here ends the second lesson. Girls and boys, you can join us at the front. James? All right, we're actually going to stay down here. If you'll come and stand right around here. Tell me something. What is Thursday? It's Thanksgiving, that's right. What are you thankful for? What? Thankful for everything. Thankful for everything. That's a good thing to be thankful for. What are you thankful for, Matilda? For food. For food, that's right. Are you thankful for something? How about you, Maggie? My family. Family, that's a good one. Do you have anything? Yeah, what? My family. Your family. Those are good things to be thankful for. Thanksgiving is all about giving thanks, but it's also about helping others. See all of this food back here, all these fruits and vegetables, and all of you help to carry them in? All of these are going to people who are hungry, who don't have very much food for Thanksgiving. They get to eat all of this. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. So this Thanksgiving, let's help others. Let's show others how much we care for them. If they might need help, we can help them. Let's show others how much we love. Let's show them God's love, okay? That's what we can do this Thanksgiving and every Thanksgiving, yeah? Loving people. Yeah, you're thankful for loving people. That's a good one. That's a very good one. All right, let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for loving us so well. 
We are so thankful for you and the people that you have in our lives. I thank you for all of these children sitting on this on these steps with me. God, we thank you for the food on the steps, and we pray that it will nourish and bless all of the people that they it will help. In your name we pray. Amen. Gratitude brings a wholeness to life. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them When he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of the Lord. I heard several speculating that the power outage was a ploy of the Finance Committee trying to up the uh, pledging and the giving, Uh, but that's fake news. Uh, Don't pay attention to that. Also, the most interesting moment was uh, my colleague Daniel is uh, taking some discreet uh, photos. We are upgrading our website, going to a completely new website. We need some new pictures. And I thought it was something that when I had announced the, the, the celebration of Thanksgiving and all the lights came on, 
that all of you went, did you get a picture of that? Oh, great, great. I can, I can see the worship and music committee giving the notation, Northside Drive Baptist Church gets the Holy Ghost. And uh, so there, so we'll put that on the front uh, cover. Well, with Thanksgiving being around the corner, I assume that you've gotten the recipe box out, right? The recipe box that has uh, your mama's cranberry uh, sauce, you've gotten that ready. Recipe box that has your grandmother's cornbread dressing, stuffing. Uh, you got in the box out that has Uncle Bill's Yum Yum Yams, always a favorite at my house. Uh, since it is a time of the year we think of recipe, I thought I ought to give you a recipe that emerges out of these scriptures that you've heard read, a recipe for Thanksgiving. Here are the ingredients. Number one, to make Thanksgiving happen, it takes memory. Thanksgiving requires Memory. Now, if you heard uh, Jeffrey reading the text, three times in the Old Testament text alone, it spoke of remembering. It said, and as you go into the promised land, remember that I am the Lord your God. As you go into the promised land, do not forget the Lord and thus exalt yourselves. Or once you get to the promised land, remember the Lord your God. Remember, remember, remember. It's one of the soundtrack songs of Scripture. And then think about the psalmist over and over again, nearly in every psalm. Lord, we do not forget all the, your benefits. We remember that you delivered us from the hand of Pharaoh. And you have the psalmist telling God, now don't you forget either. God, forget not all your benefits that you have promised to care for us. Remembrance is a theme of Bible. And so, memory is necessary for Thanksgiving. When you gather at the tables this Thursday, you'll be remembering of the blessings that have come your way. Counting your blessings, name them one by one. Uh, my wife Liz is tending to her mother today. As some of you know, it's been a challenge and continues to be. Uh, Irene is now in the nursing home, and she's kind of been on the long descent of uh, dementia. It hasn't been fast moving, but it's been coming. About a year or so ago, she had about 12 phrases that she would loop through, you know, like, well, come as often as you can and stay as long as you can. That was one of hers. Or, well, know that I love you more than you'll ever know. Every time we would talk on the phone or in person, she would loop through those. But the 12 went to 10 and to 8, and now they're about 3. But one that's remained is her thankfulness. She always pauses and says a prayer aloud at her meal, I mean, even the meal of nursing home food, she says that prayer. The other day, two weeks ago, I was with her, and she said, I was sitting across, she said, James, would you lead us in a blessing? So I did. She kind of looked around the room. Ten seconds later, she started her prayer of blessing. I don't think mine was good enough, you know, and she may be right. But she always starts her prayers the same way. Lord, 
Thank you for more blessings than we could ever count in a lifetime. Of all that's lost from her memory, the need of gratitude has not. What makes Thanksgiving possible is that recipe ingredient of memory. What are we thankful for? Now, um, I wouldn't be doing my job as pastor if I didn't mention this. Not all memories can be thankful memories, right? Not all memories are good memories. This week alone, we have been bombarded with the news all week long, every news cycle of bad memories of women. Women who have told stories about sexual abuse, groping. That's um, about ten different adjectives they've used. Rape and, and, and uh, attempted rape. Humiliation after humiliation. Power differentials. And this great sadness that's come to us all. We bring that to this Thanksgiving. It's almost difficult to get to the Thanksgiving table because of the bad memories that have been called up and called upon. Plus, there's the weekly mass shooting. Mass means four people have been shot. Again, there were five people shot and killed in California this week. Every one of the shootings we say we'll never forget. And then the next week brings another shooting and we move on. I appreciate J.B. Gilbert's ministry through victims of violent crime who can't forget. And as we come up on the fifth anniversary of Sandy Hook, it's hard to believe that uh, we're still in this place. Bad memories we, we bring to this Thanksgiving. And some of you will come to the Thanksgiving table and there will be empty chairs and empty tables phantom shadows on the floor, as the song goes. We bring our grief, and we share it, but we also bring the gratitude of the gift of life, and we celebrate it. And we even use our voices for those whose voices have been eliminated or diminished. But what it takes to make Thanksgiving happen is memory, and we give thanks for the good memories that enrich us. That's what I get from text number one. The part, second part of this Thanksgiving recipe is from the gospel lesson. It's that story of the ten persons with leprosy that call out to Jesus. They call out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. He sends them off to see the priest who sort of serves as the, the CDC, uh, you know, in that day. They were the clearinghouse of, of when you're uh, healed. As they go, they are healed. Nine keep going, one returns and says, thank you. And Jesus says, where are the nine? You know, that's been the sermon usually on the uh, uh, second Sunday after Easter for years. And where are the nine, you know? Uh, there, I, I used to believe that that story, the primary action in the story was Thanksgiving. I preached many a Thanksgiving sermon on that. The one who came back and gave thanks became whole. But I really think that Thanksgiving is a supporting actor in that story. 
that the big story is about the stranger, that the stranger is a vehicle for the sacred. It wasn't just one of the ten, anyone will do, comes back. Which one came back? And he was a Samaritan. The one who was already an outcast, doubly so, one with leprosy and then, and then also a Samaritan. He's the one that comes back, and the text highlights that. That it is through the foreigner, through the stranger, that the sacred story of gratitude enters this text. If the Samaritan hadn't returned, it could have been a different story. Three weeks ago, I heard Barbara Brown Taylor speak about uh, the stranger in the Bible. And she pulled us along, did a walking tour of all these strangers that in our Christian tradition, we have so adopted them, homogenized them, baptized them, pulled them in, that we forget that they were foreigners to the story. We've just kind of pulled them in under our rubric. She talked about after the blessing of Abraham, the first to bless Abraham was Melchizedek, a foreigner, this priest. And go on through the Bible, Rahab the harlot was not uh, Jewish. Uh, Ruth the Moabite was not Jewish. On through and all the way through Christmas and into Epiphany, let's see. Uh, we three kings of Orient are... Oh yeah, were they Christians? No, if we take the story literally, they were probably Zoroastrian priests from Baghdad who came, seized the Christ child, got that done, and go back to become Zoroastrian priests. From these strangers who make cameo appearance, though, we bring so, so, so much of the sacred is, is brought into our lives. Here were guys who were a community of the quarantined, who fit in nowhere else, and yet, upon calling out, they found themselves healed. Community is important. I keep seeing that more and more so. I was thinking about what birthed this national holiday, National Day of Thanksgiving. Lincoln described, de declared it so, but it was based on that first Thanksgiving, 1620, with the Mayflower crew, the first pilgrims. There they were, cut from 100 who arrived down to 50 in the first winter. Had it not been for the leader of the Wampanoag Indians, who befriended them, taught them how to plant corn, how to live in that land. My hunch is that November, by the time come, came, there would be zero left. This country, as we know it, that got birthed, wouldn't have come to be had it not been for the stranger, being one who was a place, a vehicle of grace. The Native Americans, the First Nation people, who taught these Anglos how to survive. Community. It's part of what we get when we are here, whether in the dark or in the light. When there's a baby born, what do we need to do? Well, we, we bring the baby here. Look what God has given us as a gift. When it's time for a funeral, what do we do? We come here. Look how important this person has meant and helped us grow. Community is a part of the recipe of how God grows us in thanksgiving. 
So, memory, community, one more thing, generosity. It was in that epistle text that Larry read that it talks about, Paul says, through your generosity, church in Corinth, a church that had a lot of problems, but they stepped to the plate when it came to generosity. Because of your generosity, you have supported this ministry and it has made possible the thanksgiving of God. Now, it's also in that text that the writer quotes that Old Testament scripture of God loveth a cheerful giver. You know that one? I'm not sure I've heard different stories, and I don't remember it quite right. Uh, Was it George Smith or was it John uh, uh, McIntyre who used to quote that scripture about every fundraising time? And the the quotation went, the Bible says, God loveth a cheerful giver, but we'll take money from a grouch. Sounds like it could have been either one of those. But Paul accents, as does the Old Testament writer, that it is something about joyful giving that changes the giver. The joyful aspect is is what grows the person doing uh, the giving. I suppose, uh, yeah, we'll take money from a grouch, but I'm not sure the heart grows very much. Also, a gift that is a token is not the same thing as a gift that is abundant. Token giving uh, reduces noble congregants to consumers and customers. Well, I don't know if I'm getting my money's worth. Whatever that, that gift of joy is, the word thanksgiving is not complete until we've gotten to the giving. For it is something in the giving that grows our heart in gratitude. Right? Right? I mean, occasionally I'll do a foot race, and I'll, I'm usually not in the the upper 95 percentile, (laughs) I'm near the end. But having that goal in mind changes how I live my life. I'm a better person, more fit, when I've got that goal to look for. I'm a better giver. I'm a better Christian. I'm a better community member of a congregation when I make a commitment. Now, part of it is it helps the finance committee be less anxious. And I'm all for that. that. That's a good idea. But also, it grows us as spiritual people, and that's a good idea, too. So the giving aspect, generous aspect, this week I challenge you to go do some giving. Give by, uh, well, writing a note to somebody that needs affirmation. It may be a mentor that you hadn't seen in 20 years. Maybe a teacher that helped call you out of the wallpaper and treated you in a special way that help turn you on to learning. And you hadn't seen her in 15 years, but you write that thank you note. You'll be surprised how people come right back and say, you made my day. Give that gift of a note. Or here's another challenge. I know young parents have enough on their plates, but let me offer one more challenge. Re-up in teaching your kids to say thank you. All right. Um, Give it every day for 30 days or something. I think it's more than just being polite. 
I think it's about teaching a kid to be porous. To be open to the Spirit. To realize that things come into our lives by the generosity of God and often the hands of other people. And teach them to say thank you. I I think that was the first word uh, my sister and I were made to learn. Before mama, before daddy, it was you learn to say thank you. Uh, And it was a good gift to me. I I, I suspect that when they close the lid on my casket, that the mortician is going to hear this mumble. I just bet it. Because it it keeps you open to how God is speaking through others to you. One other thing. Yeah, do fill out that pledge card. I think it is a gift to the future. It is a gift to the story of abundance that has brought you to this day and will keep you going. I think that would be a gift. So, that's the recipe. And on this week, as you get Grandmama's cornbread recipe and Uncle Bill's yum, yum, yams, remember, you've been to church today. You've got all the recipe ingredients you need. Memory, community, generosity. It'll be great. Thanks be to God. Amen.
I'm sure you've all seen the whiteboard out in the narthex uh, where we have been tracking the weekly progress during November for the challenge budget pledge campaign. The goal being $871,125. We're at approximately 55% of that goal. Uh, we've raised over, pledged over $475,000, and that's come from 41 contributors. In fact, many of those having pledged already have set an example by increasing their pledge, earning them a special place in heaven. <laughs> Not that anyone is in a hurry to get there. As we prepare for the holidays, there will be many things competing for your time and your attention. During this time between now and the end of the year, the church faces two challenges. One is to complete the collection of the 2017 pledge. The second is the successful pledge of the 2018 challenge budget so that we can approve it in January. Speaking of challenges, Tech plays Georgia this week, and Auburn plays Alabama. I don't know which way to put this on. <laughs> A lot is on the line with those two games. But you also have some other in-state rivalries, Clemson and South Carolina, Tennessee and Vanderbilt, Florida and FSU, Kentucky and Louisville. Next week should be an interesting and nail-biting time, especially for houses divided. We are a church divided. There are those of us that have pledged, and there are those of us that have not. So as you prepare for Thanksgiving, remember what you are thankful for in this church, and help us keep the lights on <laughs> by completing your 2017 pledge and by making your 2018 pledge. A lot is on the line.
loving God, we give you thanks for more blessings than one life can hold. We give you thanks for the symbol of a cornucopia of blessings that proceed from your hands of grace through our congregation and into the world for the bountiful blessing of love and laughter and longing hearts. And so you have blessed us along our way with countless gifts of love. These are still ours today. In Christ's name, amen.